Welcome to Grog in Prague podcast, and this is Michelle. I'm just waiting for my co-host and our guest to join the call. So while we're waiting for that, um, it's going to be just a little bit quiet. So we will be getting the show started here pretty soon. Looks like I've got one of the co-hosts on the line. We'll bring her in just a moment. Hello, Crystal. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Great. So we're just waiting for Bob and our special guest. I'm not going to say yet until we're all here. And um, as soon as we're all here, we'll officially get it started. So it should be a lot of fun. Oh, it looks like we've got another one. Just a moment. Hello, Rob. Uh, No, it's William. Oh, hi, William. <laughs> I couldn't tell because it came across as all ones, and so sometimes when he's called from um, England, it comes across as all ones. So hold on oh, just one enough. moment, William, and we'll give you your proper introduction. Hold on just one second. <laughs> hi, Rob. We're all here. Um, I've got Crystal on the line, and of course you know me. I'm Michelle. Hi, Rob. We're going to introduce our special guest. Okay, go ahead. Okay, great. So, uh, with no further ado, I want to say it is my great pleasure um, to say that I am sharing this podcast with Crystal. Say hello, Crystal. Hi. How are you, everybody? Hi, and Rob. Hello, Rob. Oh, I'll tell you later on. Namaste. Okay, great. (laughs) Namaste. And our very... Special guest is William Maypother. Thank you, William, for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. I know we've spoken before, but it's always great to talk to you. And um, I'm so glad that you made time in your schedule for us. Of course. I'm happy to. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, great. Well, um, I know that we've been... uh, going over with you ahead of time what some of the questions were going to be. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and start with that, and then we can kind of go from there. And feel free, you know, if there's anything else that we haven't covered, uh, to jump in and say something about well, that. But, um, that sounds terrific. Uh, I think we just let the, we can let the conversation wander wherever it wants to wander. Exactly. Now, let me ask you a quick question. Are we, are we live or is this taped? No, this is taped. And it's, if something horrendous occurs, 
is it possible to edit it out, or are we absolutely. all in? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we'll edit no, it out. Absolutely. Yeah, no we will do that, absolutely. Um, we made this so that it is a private recording, and even though it looks like a normal blog talk show, we have this as a private recording. Um, it is not being broadcast. It will not be broadcast until afterwards. And if there is something that happens during the show that is a boo-boo or, or just it's not, it's not appropriate to publish it on the podcast, we absolutely will edit that out. So don't worry. I don't anticipate anything. I just wanted to make sure. I don't. I don't blame you. You, you want to be careful what gets out over the airwaves. And Blog Talk Radio is a little bit different. Um, they tend to have everything live, and so I'm glad that at least we have this option. So that if we need to edit something out, we can. Terrific. Okay, great. So as most people know you, William, from Lost, but of course you've done a lot of other things. And I just wanted to kind of start off talking about some of those other things and also your connection to loss. So the biggest thing I'd like to ask you about is I know when you were on Lost Mirror Moments, which is where we've talked before, you told yeah. us about Slated, and I know it's been a few years and things have really um, ramped up and you've had a lot going on with that. But would you please tell us about Slated and how people sure. can become involved in it? Yeah, that's uh, terrific. We uh, Slated is a, uh, an online marketplace to connect independent filmmakers with investors. And it differs from crowdfunding sites like Indiegogo and Kickstarter because those allow people to donate to projects in exchange for perks like hats or CDs or uh, in the case of some webisodes, to pre-purchase episodes. In Slated, on Slated, however, uh, the uh, participants, the users, actually invest in the projects, and often film projects are LLCs, so they would be investing in those and uh, sharing in the profits, which is not something you do uh, on those other sites. And uh, we now have about... Uh, I think about close to about 35,000 users and wow. somewhere around 4,000 projects. I, um, I am one of four co-founders, and it really got rolling back in about 2007, and mm-hmm. excuse me, we took it live around 2009, <clears throat> 2010, I think, uh, yes, as I a side right. benefit of, or a side consequence of the site, we also have created the first industry-only or entertainment industry-only network. So as I said, we have about 35,000 users. And the size of the projects range from, I don't know, maybe a $100,000 indie going to be made in Nebraska to a $20 million film that has Johnny Depp or, uh, uh, or Judy Dench attached. Sure. And we have both features and documentaries. And the site is, in, in terms of its concept, is not entirely dissimilar from um, the crowdfunding sites in that a user will set up, uh, there are user profiles for filmmakers, and then there are separate profiles or pages they set up for their individual projects. And then investors can come and 
look at those projects and decide if they're interested in investing in them. And investors can find projects through various filters we have, you know, by budget or genre or country of origin or language. Or uh, more recently, we introduced a score based on an algorithm that we developed. And just as every individual is given a score based on uh, their work history, on the projects they've been involved in, how those projects performed, that's for individuals. And then projects are given scores based on the script, the finances, the uh, attached participants. So investors might say, I want to see only projects that are over a certain score. And mm-hmm. then there are also company profiles. So some of the big agencies and, uh, and distribution companies have profiles. And among on the network for filmmakers, uh, uh, there are writers, directors, actors, cinematographers, editors, sales agents, people who represent movies, talent agents, um, just about everybody. So uh, that's our that's goal really is to help. Yeah, is to help bring some transparency and ease and hopefully efficiency to the process of independent um, film financing. Uh, at some point, we hope to expand it to television, but you know, cracking the black box of independent film financing has been challenging enough without our having yeah. to go to television before we're ready. But that's the plan. Right. I encourage anybody to go. It's free to sign up, and we've got a lot of high-profile fo- projects, and we've uh, have a section of the site that has a lot of white papers on film finance, and uh, there's a lot of terrific information in there. So uh, I'm very proud of it. One of my partners is is now the CEO, and and he's doing a heck of a good job. Great. So that's a lot so of what information. Are some, no, that's great. What are some of the projects that slated help create? What would we recognize more um, that's been completed and distributed? Well, that's a good question. So up until now, Slated has not taken a fee for its services uh, okay. for a couple of reasons. One, we like a lot of Internet companies, we wanted to make ourselves indispensable. Um, and charging a fee too soon before people know you're worth it is a way to drive people away. Uh, another, reason right. is that, another reason is that for all of Hollywood's reputation about being avant-garde and groundbreaking, the industry actually is very hidebound and traditional. And while mm-hmm. at first that seems a little bit unusual, it actually makes a lot of sense in one way, and that is that filmmaking and making money from movies uh, is very uncertain. Uh, one of the most famous books written about filmmaking is William Goldman's Adventures in the Screen Trade, and in there he has two rules, and this is very, is very, very well known. And one of them is nobody knows anything. And part of that is nobody knows how any film is going to perform. And so if you're in a business in which it's very difficult to project revenue and, and profitability, uh, you do everything you can to take some variables out of the equation, and it tends to make you very conservative. So the other reason we haven't charged money is it's tough to get people to change their habits in the movie business. And so That's great. finance, uh, charging people money. So, and now to enhance, so I'm now returning to your original question, which is, uh, which ones has slated finance? So because we haven't charged any money, what we are so far is really a platform for introducing filmmakers to investors. 
and mm-hmm. we do not <clears throat> intercede or act as intermediary in any way. As a result, uh-huh. we don't. We have. We are able to see how our how films on our site have how much money they have raised, which ones have gotten produced. However, slated is not exclusive. So a filmmaker okay. can put his site up, his film up on our site, but go continue to look money elsewhere. So if he raises a million dollars or ten million dollars, we have no way of knowing how much of that came from investors that he met through slated or that he met through some other means. Sure. But we've had films. I, I, I forgot. I could check and see. We have. Uh, it's becoming, uh, if it isn't already, an indispensable tool for um, for independent filmmakers. And I'm looking up right now to see. Uh, as I said, my partner wrote after Sundance or before Sundance, and he had a he had um, a remarkable. Uh, statistic in there about the percentage of films at Sundance that were listed on uh, Slated. Uh, 68% of the 109 films uh, that are getting their first significant exposure to the world all had Slated members in a top-line role. So, yeah, so... Uh, it's it's you know it's a challenging business to get people to change their mind and the, and the industry is changing as everybody knows but uh, I think we've got a really good company really good service and really good people so um, that in something well, I, much larger than a nutshell is an introduction. <laughs> no, I appreciate it because I've always um, enjoyed the entertainment industry and a long long time ago I thought I might dabble in acting myself so I've always been fascinated with how things work and how movies and TV shows are put together. So having something like this allows a regular person like me, you know, if I had the funds or the means or something to get involved, this would be a place to start. Whereas when I was younger, there wasn't anything like this, as you know, because you created it and you co-created it. And um, now it's a great place. If something like this has been around when I was younger, who knows, you know, I might have been on some TV show or movie because of this. So I think it's well, a great you, place. Thank you. One of the goals is to try and in this network to help people connect to one another. You know, we might help right. films staff up. So if you have a film on there and you're looking for an actor or a cinematographer, instead of having to go through everything through the gatekeepers in the industry, you might be able to reach out to them directly. Um, right. The other big news is that several years ago, uh, Obama... Uh, and both parties in Congress supported some legislation to help create jobs by um, making it easier for individuals to invest in private companies. Because for a long, long time in America, if you wanted to invest in a private company, you had to have a, a lot of money. So if you wanted to invest in a public company like Apple or Exxon, you could just buy a single share of stock. If you want to invest in a private company, you had to have make about $200,000 a year and then recently also have a million dollars in savings. And it was because the Security and Exchange Commission wanted people, they believed that if people had that much money, they were, sophistic, they were sufficiently sophisticated financially right. that they could investigate because private companies don't have to share their financials with the world the way public companies do. When a public company... Right. Yeah, they, they've got to publish all their numbers. So if they, the SEC said, 
if you've got all this money, we trust that you're able to investigate this private company well enough yourself to see if it's a good investment. Well, uh, the SEC finally released its interpretation of this legislation uh, only recently, I think earlier this year it was, and they uh-huh. said that um, those who have less money, they lowered the threshold for people to invest in independent films. So those who have less money can invest a portion of their um, savings or their income in private companies. That can be a startup company. That can be an independent film. That could be your friend is starting a restaurant. They capped how much that you can do it, either by dollar amount or percentage. But they've opened the door uh, to doing that. And so uh, I'm encouraged because it means that people can, will be able to support through even in a small way filmmakers they care about or a film that their favorite actor is in or a friend is starting a restaurant or a startup company so <clears throat> there in other words there may be a, there there is now another way for people to hopefully participate in addition to being an actor or a writer yes, being I an think investor that's yeah yeah being an investor now uh, might be a possibility for people who it wouldn't have been a possibility for before. Yeah, I think it's great, and I hope maybe someday I can, because, like I said, you know, I do care a lot about movies and TV shows and uh, the arts in general, and so I just think this is wonderful for anybody like-minded or who's actually um, working in the industry and just needs a little bit of help or they want to make some connections. So tell everybody the website, and then we'll move on to our next question. It's uh, slated.com. Great. So it's pretty easy, everybody. So Slated.com. Like, like this film is slated to open next month, S-L-A-T-E-D. Great. Yes, I've actually been on the website, and I've seen it over the years, and it's incredible now. I mean, it's evolved into such an incredible source of information and it's exciting even just looking at the website and seeing what's going on out there. Oh, well, so thank thanks for sharing much. all that with us. So now I'm going to get into a little bit more of the Lost Connection, so just humor <laughs> me a little bit if you can. Um, you've appeared on Constantine, the TV show, and Hawaii Five-0, alongside yeah. other Lost alums. Is it as fun for you to participate as it is for us to watch you in these lost reunions when we see, oh, these people are all lost together. <laughs> it, it is. And, you know, I have friends who are actors, and sometimes it's not always fun for them because maybe you didn't get oh. along with somebody on a show or something. But it is for me because um, I really liked everyone on the show. Now, maybe that's because I wasn't on it enough for anybody to get on my nerves or me to get on anybody else's nerves. Sure. But as a uh, as only a visitor, I was able to pop in and make friends with everybody and, of course, always happy to see a new face. So for me, it's always fun to see uh, old friends on the set from that show and to work with yeah. them and, and then to you know reconnect and get to know them a little bit better because sometimes I was just in for uh, a brief bit. So, yes, Constantine... And uh, Hawaii Five O. Yes, you did a great job as always. I I enjoy seeing everything I've seen you in, and when I saw you on those two shows in particular with other 
losties or lost cast members, I was even more excited because I'm like, oh, look, there's Jeremy Davies and William A. Potter. Oh, look, exactly. there's Jen and Hurley and we've got Ethan, all these people all together. And it's so a little really bit sometimes... Fun. It's a little. It, it can be a little bit disorienting because you know sometimes I don't see these. I don't. I didn't. Might not have seen somebody off the set and don't know them in real life, other than maybe our interactions on the show. So for me to see them in an entirely different character with a different attitude and everything else, sometimes it's a little bit. It, it's it, disorienting in a very slight but fun way. Like, oh, really? Cool. This is. Oh, this is interesting. You've got. You're not just that character, which of course they're right, not. Exactly. But I'm like anybody else. You know, it's first impressions matter, and we tend to un, we tend to put people in a little bit of a box. Oh, that's who they are. Right. That's what they're like. Well, that's that's like, how they sound. That's how they move. That sort of thing. Yeah, that's like what a lot of people. Ethan did. Crystal, who's going to ask some questions here pretty soon. We've got some questions because you know Ethan was another character that was very polarizing. You know, people really had opinions about him. <laughs> So let's just go through these last couple of questions I have, and then Crystal has some questions for you um, about Lost and a little bit more about Ethan. So I was looking, and I saw that there's a TV show entitled Powers. Is there anything you can tell us about that? Yes. Uh, Powers is a TV show, but you cannot see it on broadcast television. You cannot see it on cable. You cannot see it uh, on the Internet. It is released, released, uh, I understand, through the Sony PlayStation video console. And it's in season two. I was not in season one. I had not heard of it because I don't have a PlayStation. But it is released that way. And then I believe that season one, they're now shooting season two, or they may have recently finished but season one i think is now available through netflix but the uh first release of the episodes are through the video console and i had never I heard see. of it but yeah so and it evidently it has a huge following and i think it's probably an effort by the networks and studios to react to the fact that they're not getting the eyeballs that they used to so the thought is if the eyeballs won't come to the show let's take the show to the eyeballs and if you're going to make a show about for people who play video games, what kind of show would you make? And the show is based, I believe, on a graphic novel, which is perfect okay. for that demographic. So, and I, it's, it's also interesting the show because uh, because it's released in that way. I believe it falls between various cracks um, of bodies which regulate and rate content. So, in other words, it's not. A movie, so it's not getting a PG-13 or an R. Right. It's not broadcast see, TV or uh-huh. anything else. I think it's unrated, and the show okay. got it can be a little bit uh, uh, graphic for uh, oh, language okay. and violence, a little bit of sexual content. But it was a lot of uh-huh. fun. We shot it in Atlanta, and um, and I was in several episodes. I think I think they probably come out. I think my last one was in January. But it was a heck okay. of a lot of fun, and the last one we shot in front of a huge green screen, and my daughter has, uh, it's about you know, people who have powers, obviously, and special powers. Right. And so my daughter has the ability to fly, and they put us in these harness and whipped us up 30 feet in the air repeatedly. It oh, like, my goodness. It was like being in an amusement <laughs> park. It was fun. Wow. 
That's great. Well, I'll definitely have to check that out. It's funny that it's on the PlayStation because um, before I had a Blu-ray player, um, they had the Lost University. And getting back to Lost again, sorry, but, you know, it's hard not to do. <laughs> and um, I didn't have a Blu-ray player or an HDTV, but I really wanted to do Lost University. Well, the only way I could do it is if I bought a PlayStation. So the only reason I own a PlayStation was because of Lost. <laughs> oh, boy. It, they get you one way or another, don't they? That's right. So now I have it, and now I have the opportunity to see you in something else yet again, and oh. I can't wait to check that out. Oh, that's very nice. So well, it's a lot of fun to shoot. Go ahead. Yeah, it sounds great. So before we move on to Crystal, um, are there any other projects of yours that you'd like to talk about? Uh, well, I'm doing a few different things. Um, uh, I, uh, I'm also writing. I, I've written for a long time, but I'm preparing a television show. I've written a show that I've created with uh, some friends, and we've written it, and we're about to go out and pitch it. So um, I don't want to talk Great. about what it is yet, but that That's that fine. hopefully, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. And um, I think I've got one or two more things coming up. What's coming up? Oh, I was in an episode of Grimm. So uh, I'm in an episode of Grimm, I think, a week from Friday. I think okay. it is. Okay, we'll check um, that out, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and I believe I have one or two indie projects that are in post-production that are waiting to come out. Great. Great, well, we'll keep an eye out for that. So, Crystal, I understand that you've got some questions for William here, and go ahead and start with your first question, if you would like to. Hello, Crystal. Hi, William. It's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. It's a pleasure having you here. Um, Thank you. First of all, I would like to say that my best friend, Deborah Johnson, from England and myself, uh, want you to know how much of a legend you are. In the lost community, <laughs> and, and why is you? that? Why why is that, Crystal? Why what makes me a legend? Uh, just huge fans. I mean, the, some of the biggest lost fans I know are just you're just great. You're one oh. of the best characters on there, and we just love you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. 
wondering, first of all, would you be willing just to give a quick little lofty shout-out to all the fans? Sure. What do you need me to do? Uh, whatever you want to say. Just something special for the fans. Uh, well, thank you for watching <laughs> first. Thank you for helping us do something we love to do. Thank you for expressing your appreciation, your interest, sometimes your outrage, your disappointment too, <laughs> but your engagement yeah. in your engagement in the stories that we tell. Um, and that is something that is common among most actors, writers, directors, filmmakers I know, is appreciation that people watch and they may not agree with it, but they're moved in some direction by the stories and it allows us to continue to do what we do. So to everyone, thank you very much for that. Thank you so much. It was a wonderful story, one of the best. Um, my question is, is there anyone from the Lost cast that you wish you would have been able to work with more? And what did you have to do to get the part as Ethan Rock? Ah, well, um, to answer your first question, boy, um Almost everybody uh, I would have liked to have worked with more because I would have been I would have meant that I'd been on the show more and I would have loved yeah. to have been on the show more. Um, and I would have so loved to have too. more scenes. Yeah. Thank you with uh, Ben Michael Emerson. Ah uh, yes. Uh, I always got along well with Matthew Fox. He was a very interesting guy, very serious about his craft. Um, I mean, I, I could just go down the line whether it's Evangeline uh, or Terry. O'Quinn, God, he was always fun to work with. Uh, oh, yeah. All these guys, and I saw Jeremy Davies on Constantine, and uh -huh. yeah. yeah, I would have loved to have had some more with him. So uh, those are just a few of the names uh, right off the top of my head. But uh, you know, I I would have liked to have worked with all of them more, frankly. Yeah, they were, they're they all did just a terrific amazing, job, terrific yeah. actors, and professional and fun to work with. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, and um, what was your second question? Uh, what did you have to do to get the part on Lost? Oh. How did you go about getting that? Well, <laughs> uh, so I'm in a group of friends who went to college. And in 2002, I planned uh, a weekend for us to meet up and then go to a football game at our old school. And uh, a few days beforehand... This is in 2002. A few days beforehand, I got a job, and I had to cancel, and my friends heaped abuse upon me. And, of course, I wasn't happy about it either because I'm the one who did all the planning, and then they got to enjoy it. So two <laughs> years later, it's now um, early fall, mid-fall, I think September maybe, of 2004. Uh -huh. And I had planned it again. And it, I was going to fly to Chicago on a Thursday, and Wednesday morning, my agent called and said, I just got you an offer for two episodes of a new show. I said, what's the show? She said, Lost. I said, I've never heard of it. She said, it premieres tonight. And, <laughs> and you know, 10 years ago, it was common to get, not even 10, sorry, 15, 20 years ago, it was common to get uh, offers for shows. It has become less and less common as the studios and network executives have become more involved in the running of their shows. So when you see a show... Unless the show has been on the air a lot or it has a really powerful producer or showrunner, the likelihood mm -hmm. is that they've had to run the guest stars 
and the co-stars pass the executives, and I know people who say that the executives even approve the wardrobe they pick. Wow. So for me to get an offer of not just one but two episodes was too good to pass up. So I had to – Wednesday morning I said yes, and I had to spend Wednesday afternoon uh, you know, tolerating the abuse from my friends who were upset. <laughs> so the next morning, instead of flying east to Chicago, I flew west to Honolulu. And I later heard from my agent that she had proposed me to the casting director who had proposed me to J.J. Abrams, who remembered my performance in in the bedroom uh-huh. with a terrific movie, if nobody's seen it. It's the movie that really started my career uh, with Sissy Spacek and uh, Marissa Tomei and Tom Wilkinson. We got five Oscar nominations, a first-time director, yeah. Todd Field. Fantastic yeah. job. And... Uh, he remembered me from that, and he said, just hire him. So in answer to your question, I just got offered. I didn't, I didn't have to audition at all. That's awesome. Now, I remember that you. Is. The first time I saw you was in The Grudge. Oh, boy, you got a good memory. Yeah, <laughs> that came out. Well, you know what? That, I think, if I recall correctly, that came out in the fall of 2004. So that may have wow. come out uh, around the time that... that uh, that law that I was shooting the beginning of Lost. Yeah, I think it came out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was another awesome. Fun. Well, that's an interesting, interesting <laughs> story you had there. <laughs> the short answer is I got lucky. They didn't give me yeah. a chance. They didn't give me the chance to blow it in the audition. They just did hire him. Sure did. <laughs> and the nice thing is, is you got to actually make a make a, more appearances in the show. Oh yeah, I, yes, you're absolutely right. I actually was in more. After my character died, than I was right. because I was alive. Right, right, right. So the next morning when I flew out, the show came out of the show. The co- show came out of the gate, a big hit. So when I flew to Honolulu yeah. the next morning, it was all over the papers. Oh, it got this this number of audience viewers and this this share. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Very big deal. Okay, so um, my next question is from Gary Long, and he is from Australia, a very, very good lofty friend of mine. Okay. Um, his Hello. question is, this is a theory question, so if you have an imagination, <laughs> do you have a theory on why Ethan Rom was spared during the purge, and do you think Ethan was actively complicit in the death of both parents? Uh. Okay, two-part question. The first, <laughs> take some the, my preface to the first is um, that uh, I, I'm happy to answer every possible question I can. There are yes, a lot of can. questions that I didn't have answers to in even when we were shooting, <laughs> and now that it yeah. is anywhere from six to ten years since then, uh, yeah. uh, you know, you're gonna <laughs> your old guess may be as good as mine. Um, right. Uh, I do not. I do not have uh, a guess as to why Ethan was spared in the purge. Uh, I mean, I, I do not know for sure. One theory might be that, um, you know, if there is a belief in some sort of an operating intelligence in the show, whether it's fate or destiny or anything else, mm-hmm. then uh, that that being, that intelligence, uh, whatever that is, uh, made a made a decision that Ethan mm-hmm. would be spared so that he could play mm-hmm. a part after it. Well, that's a great answer. Um, great theory. I, I really don't know, and I do not believe that he was complicit in the death of his parents. 
Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. Um, the next next question is from Brandon Hauer. Okay. And his question is, how was it playing the first other introduced on Lost, and did it affect how people recognized you in real life? Uh, yes, I will tell you. So somebody else asked me uh, um, uh, about a funny story, and I'll tell you a story about being the first other, and uh, and it's uh, <laughs> and it's also a memory. And then I'll answer separately about how it caused people to uh, react to me in life. So, uh, to return to my little anecdote, I landed in Honolulu at I don't know noon. They took me right to the set, and or they took me right to the production office to get fitted or anything. And they said you need to go right to the set. So I go to the set, and they said we don't have time to buy you any other shoes. We're, your character is going to we're going to buy the shoes off your feet. So the <laughs> shoes that Ethan wears are the shoes that I'm wearing. And we got in, and we started shooting, and uh, I think I went over there for two episodes, and I believe it's my second episode. I think the first one, if I recall correctly, is the golf course, golf club scene, and I really just set the, set the clubs down with Hurley. The second right. episode, I believe, is when I'm shaking papayas out of the tree, and then at the end, uh, Hurley runs in. He's not on the manifest, and then we cut he to the end. He thinks you're Lance. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you about that scene when I'm in the jungle. And, uh, you know, Charlie, if I, I can't believe the degree, to, the specificity with which I can remember this, but uh, I remember Charlie. I will tell you one thing. So I'm reading the scripts on the way over and on the plane. And, of course, it had just aired the night before, so I hadn't seen, I think I started in episode seven or something, so I hadn't read the, or, or seen the intervening episodes. But I'm reading the scripts on the way over, and I got to the end of that second episode I was in. And when I landed, I called my agent and I said, holy God, this is, this, everybody's going to be wondering who I am. Uh, so I'm giving credit to the writers because even on the page, the suspense of he's not on the manifest. He's not on the manifest. Yeah. And even on the page, before it had been shot, before I knew anything about the show, it was clear how suspenseful that was. They just did a fantastic job. So we land, excuse me, so I'm in the jungle and uh, Charlie says, you know, go get Jack. And then he turns around. He's with Claire. I don't know. A couple minutes later, and I'm standing there, and he's, he's like, "Did you go get? Did you go get Jack?" And I said, "Well, no." And I can't. I can't remember everything that happened after that moment. But I will tell you, I I, I do know I had a weird look on my face. That even when yeah. I see, I know, and I think that kind of cemented yeah. the impression everyone had yeah. of Ethan. It burned it into their brains. But. And I, even when I saw it on the screen, I was like, where the hell did that come from? I've never seen that expression on my face. But It was brilliant. But, yeah. when, but, when, but when we actually shot something that was not on the screen, he think he said, oh, did you go get Jack? I think I said no or something like that. And then the scene actually continued from there. And so I hope if anybody wants, they can cut it off for two or three minutes because sometimes people like to know what was shot and cut. And some people do not want to know. They say, let me just enjoy what exists because it was cut right. for a reason and I want to enjoy the show the way the creators intended it. So if anybody right. wants, they can cut out for a couple minutes. But, so the, he says that to me, and I think we're something like 30 feet away from each other, something they're standing next to each other, and then suddenly there's whispering all around them in the jungle. And they turn to their left and right, looking for the source of the noise. 
left and right. They're looking back for each other, looking back around, whipping their heads around. And after about two seconds, they look back forward, and I'm standing right in front of them, as if I have somehow <laughs> teleported myself 30 feet right in front of them. And Charlie looks at me, and he says uh, something like, what are you doing, you get? Which is, you know, a British term for right. or idiot, whatever it is. What are you doing, you get? And I ignore him, and I'm standing right in front of Claire, and I say to her, yeah. don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Oh, so wow. that got cut, but I think they and did. They, they made that, the wise yeah. choice at cutting it at my freaky look because anything right. after that would have diluted the effect. But Yeah. Um, uh, so what was, what was the second part of this question? Because that was part of what I was going to say. Uh, oh, how, how was it playing the first other? So sorry, I'm giving. Oh, I'm, yes. I hope these answers are not too long, everybody. I mean, you guys are oh, bringing no. up all these memories, and I haven't talked about this in a while. So I'm, no, you know, I'm like, wonderful. I'm like that guy. Oh, he's got a funny story to tell, and then cut to the <laughs> next shot immediately. When is he he's doing shut great? The yeah. hell up, this guy. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so I, I have a line. I think when I'm 30 feet away. And because I was the first other, I, when I arrived, I said, well, tell me something about my character. And they, there was a lot they didn't know about my character. So they were giving me conflicting background information, and they were a little bit vague, and they, they just didn't know. So even the director, when I was told to uh, deliver my line, and, and it's a wide shot, if I recall correctly, which means the director and and everybody else had to be far away from me because the camera had a you know it was a wide shot. They could, if anybody had gotten close, they could have seen it. And the reason that's important is because they kept the camera running, and the director had to, wanted to give me direction while the camera was running. And because she's not close, she had to yell the direction. And we were losing the light, so they had to shoot quickly because as soon as the light goes down, you're you're dead. So she's yelling, do it this way, do it this way, do it this way. And, of course, for an actor, you're always embarrassed to receive your, or at least I am, always embarrassed to receive my direction out loud because you're afraid, oh, my God, now the whole crew is watching me knowing what the director has asked me to do, and they're all going to be able to evaluate, oh, he nailed it, or, God, this guy sucks. So, uh, you know, as opposed to the director coming up and whispering in your ear, and then you do something, and for all the crew knows, it's exactly what the director asked for. So there she screamed me, do it like you're an alien. Do it like you're a robot. Do it like you're happy. Do it like you're sad. So I gave... <laughs> I gave about eight or nine in a row, and I think it was because they just wanted to give themselves some room to choose in, in post-production about what they thought would work for the character, and because I was the first other, what would work for the others? So that's an answer to the question, what, what was it like to be the first other? Well, I think it was kind of like walking through the jungle without a path. They had no idea. Uh -huh. I shouldn't say no idea. They were still discovering what the others would be like, if they had any really weird commonalities or anything like that. So mm -hmm. that's what it was like. And then in terms of how it caused people to react to me, it freaked some people out. I had a woman next to me in a grocery store. Um, uh, I had a woman next to me in a grocery store turn and see me, and the show had just been on a couple weeks earlier, and she dropped what she was holding and backed oh up into her car. And then, of course, I was single back then. I'm now married, but I remember I was at a party, and, you know, I'm trying to meet girls like everybody who's trying to meet somebody, whoever you're trying to meet, your partner. And I'm out there, and this 
this girl comes up to me and she's very intense and she says, you know what? When you walked in this party, I immediately didn't like you. I don't know why, but I immediately didn't like you. And I just realized why, because you were a watch. (laughs) Of course, me, my first thought is, oh my gosh, how many women are out there walking around and see me who think, I don't like that guy. And they never have the realization of why. So they don't like that guy because of who he is. They never get the, they never, you know, appreciate, oh, it's because he played that character. So yeah, um, yeah. that's so one memory kinda I like have. Kind of like being typecast, you know, people's yeah. impressions are from that very first time that they saw you. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was so much. Um, I just have a couple more questions. Sure. Uh, this one comes from Trudy Buchanan, and she would like to know, do you have a favorite Flight 815 survivor? Uh, you have a personal favorite. You know, I don't know. I always, I always really like Saeed. I like the character of Saeed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great character. He's a great character and terrific actor. And I thought he had a really interesting storyline. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I. Uh, off the top of my head, you know, I'll tell you, uh, so I, I'm a little bit allergic to favorite questions, uh, only because <laughs> I change my mind all the time. It's favorite music, sure. movies, whatever. But um, right. I will answer it with this qualification, that as of right now, at this moment, that would be my favorite. But if you ask me again in five minutes, I might change. How about that? Right. Well, I mean, there was just so many characters, and they're all yeah. great characters with great storylines. So it would be hard to choose. All right. Um, next question and final question from me is from Ted Francis. Um, how do you feel about the series finale of Lost, and did you watch it with the rest of the world when it originally aired in May of 2010? Um, the second part first, yes, I did watch it with everyone else. There actually was a party uh, in Century City that the um, that the producers in the studio held. They rented out a, if I recall correctly, a big, big restaurant. They had movies everywhere. And so a, a lot of the crew and some of the cast uh, gathered to watch there together. I mean, you have so, the cast is so large that some people were already off shooting other things. But there were a number of cast mm-hmm. members there and a lot of crew members and producers and writers. So, yeah, we all watched it together for the first time there, and that was a blast. Um, awesome. And... Uh, I would say that I liked the ending, uh, given that I think they had uh, an equation so complicated that there was a limited number of ways to end the show and still uh-huh. fulfill uh, all that they had set out to do and and mm-hmm. fulfill all the parameters that they had established. So I think there might have been an ending that was more satisfying to people, to some members of the audience, because obviously you're not going right. to get something that satisfies all or even perhaps a majority. But it, right. but it probably, the different scenarios I've always heard suggested would have uh, violated uh, some 
uh, aspect or truth or principle or event in the show. So whenever I get around with people and they're like, well, what about this and this, and they start going bouncing their ideas back and forth, and every time somebody comes up, well, they should have ended it with this. Somebody will say, "Oh, well, wait. You, you, that would have then. Then what is this part? Is that a dream sequence? Because that would violate this part." So, given mm-hmm. how how much they had set up, I think that they had a limited number of ways to end it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What so, do you guys think? What do you think? Are you are you saying you're satisfied with the ending? Did you enjoy it? Or I uh, I did enjoy it in that um, it as I say, satisfied or avoided, as far as I could, as far as I can recall, avoided any major violations of what had come before in terms of the rules of the world. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. So I, sa- I, I was satisfied from a story point of view, from a, from a rules of the world slash logical point of view. Uh, from an emotional point of view, um, I'm not entirely uh, sure how I reacted, frankly, uh, mm-hmm. or how I don't recall perfect. I don't recall exactly what my response was. I don't know if I felt um, entirely satisfied. But as I said, you know, it's tough. They had painted themselves into a bit of a corner. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- I think the ending was. Absolutely brilliant. It was different from anything else that I'd ever seen. And the most beautiful thing from anything else I'd ever seen. So I, I personally am happy with it. Yeah, I I'll really just, loved it. Yeah. I'll just say that I loved almost all of it. To go into more detail. has a little bit different opinion than me. Okay, fair enough. Well, no. I mean, as I said, that's part of the fun of it is you don't have to right. agree with everything. Right. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version, and that is that I had thought that the Flash Sideways was a second chance for everybody, and when it turned out not to be, I felt like, oh. So that's what made me fair sad. Enough. So the ending was good. Like you said, there's only so many ways they can end it, but the stuff that they had said before the season started said there was going to be two timelines and they were going to join up. And for some reason, I just felt like the Flash Sideways was like the best case scenario. I mean, you know, Ethan came back so everybody had a chance. Yeah. (laughs) It just just, made me sad because then you realize, oh, and then it's like, well, yes, all those people are together and... And that's great, but then you think about the people that even weren't in the church, you know. So yes, I don't know. I I, I really don't have enough time to discuss it, but I, I really do. And I, I really love how you did that, it. Michelle. You just explained all that without giving any spoilers for our audience that have still well yet to finish it. <laughs> well, hey, if you haven't finished it by now, I'm not afraid of a spoiler. Oh no, I've got four people that are watching it right now. Oh. Okay, so. I apologize. I'm glad I didn't spoil it for anybody. <laughs> no, that was that was brilliant. Great job. Great. Great. So, um, Rob, did you have something that you wanted to ask William, or did you...? Yeah, okay, so you'll have to excuse me, because I'm one of those British guests, and it's 4 o'clock in the morning here, so... I'm quite oh, my tired. God, you working... poor guy. <laughs> and I've been working on the podcast production for 24 hours now, almost non-stop. So I'm very tired, so you'll please please excuse me if I kind of slur 
he don't understand me. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I let Michelle do the fun ones, but I thought, let's watch the Namaste episode, you know, and get some kind of tips on the questions. And obviously Lost is, it's well known. I mean, it's a great show ever, as, as, as we're all concerned, but it's well known for the, the continuity errors. And, and, and when we were watching, I don't know if you've been asked this before, but when we were watching the episode, it dawned on us. So Ethan, it, 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 it wasn't exactly Namaste where Ethan was born. It was, a, it was in the previous episode. But it dawned, it dawned on us, Ethan, 77. That's 27 years between the first season of Lost. I don't know if it ever dawned on you that they chopped your age from about, what was it, 12 years? Yeah, that that was mentioned a few times, uh, and I was actually aware of it, aware of it. Uh, of course, like most actors, you know, I I didn't object much to them making me a lot right. younger than I was. <laughs> but uh, yes, twenty-seven. Uh, well, that's very generous of you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yes, it did uh, dawn on me. I saw it mentioned. Um, in a few boards, I mean, you know, in the early years, some of the other actors and I would go on some of the boards. I can't remember. There was one that was really popular that I would interact with. And so people would mention those things. Um, uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, and I don't know, I don't recall the details well enough to, to know if that was uh, something that could have been avoided or if, again, there were just so many moving parts. Uh, and and different chronologies that had to be synchronized that sooner or later something had to give. Yeah, I think the story was so com- I think the story story was so complex it had to do somewhere along the line. That I think yeah. I think that you're exactly right. And and you know it happens with almost every movie or TV show. I've been on <clears throat> excuse me both sides of it where I'm a fan and I recognize something, and where I'm participating in developing, creating, telling the story. And I can tell you that if you watch most TV shows or or films uh, closely, there's just always something that uh, is either totally impossible or highly improbable because of the elapse of time. Um, it's just really difficult. So especially uh, on a show like this, uh, I think it was probably unavoidable, and hopefully it didn't get in the way of you know most people enjoying it. Not at all. I didn't affect my view of the show, and it was interesting. Yeah. So I didn't really think about that, you know, until Rob and I were talking about it um, yesterday and today. And I really think that that just wasn't really that big of a deal. Well, good, good. I think most people wouldn't have noticed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Some some of those losses have got quite analytical minds, <laughs> so it's, yes. it's, it's, it's yes. hard to fall us, but. But I don't yes. think it's spoiled for the story in any way, no. Oh, good. I hope not. Oh, and uh, by the way, yeah. I don't know if you've got a message for him. We, uh, we, this is kind of a two-part interview uh, on the previous one, and we thought we couldn't top that one. We had Mike Panera, who uh, who panned uh, uh, Rye Captain Wright, which was in the Namaste episode. Okay. Well, if you want from, to send a bit of a message. Originally from kind of... Iron Butterfly. Yeah, that Iron episode. Butterfly. That episode was right after Amy gave birth to Ethan and was the first time they right. mentioned what they were going to name you. So so that was really your <laughs> first introduction to 
chronologically in 1977 to the show. So they had that song in that episode. <laughs> I mean, you guys should have all been in the writer's room. We're crazy. Yeah. I mean, the degree oh, to which you're familiar with the show is really impressive. 
Yeah, we put a yeah. lot of work into this podcast. You what? We put a lot, we of, put work a lot of work into the podcast. Into the podcast. Oh, my gosh. I can tell. I can only imagine. Uh, how many, let me ask you guys, how many times would you say that each of you has seen the series all the way through? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I've been, I've been watching and re-watching ever since it began, like ever, wow. ever since it ended. Um, like wow. literally, William, I watch it, and as soon as it ends, I watch it again. Well, th- let me ask you, that's, t- I mean, and then, of course that's every <laughs> film, that's every a creator's dream is that they create something that is so compelling that it bears up under repeated watching. So let me ask you, what for you, what do you think it is that makes the show so compelling and so uh, watchable and re-watchable? Well, it's a complex storyline, isn't it? Like we said before, it is. it's, so, it's so involved and complex. If you're intelligent, it gets the mind working. Yeah. I, I can't even really find the words. I mean, there's just so many things about that show that make it that set it apart from everything else for me, and for probably the majority of the losties out there. It's just, it's incredible. It has so much rewatch value. You know, it's just there's always something. I I, I catch new things in the show and I mean it's been over for what six years now and uh, yeah, I, I think still so. always find yeah. something new that I hadn't seen before Wow! so it's just incredibly done well they did do a good job and I know they worked their tails off so I'm 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 you know, I'm really happy that it bears up as I said under repeated watching because you know you see there are a lot of shows we've all seen and it's a one and done you know, right. you see it once and then you Yeah, finish. that's true. Exactly. Speaking of, re- yeah, speaking of re-watching episodes, I haven't watched it quite as many times as Crystal, but I've seen it a few times. And you know, getting ready for the podcast today, of course, I'd like to watch a little bit of a lost episode. And I just have to say that fight scene with you and Jack, you have some great moves. You kick them, you oh my right in the head with your foot. <laughs> it was just incredible. Well, thank you. Well, well, all right, I'm going to be honest. <clears throat> some of that was me, and some of okay. it was my uh, stunt double, which maybe you guys you already suspected. You have a great suspected. double. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy, Mike, and um, I don't know if we've worked together great. since then, um, oh. but he did a terrific job, and it makes perfect sense. You know, <clears throat> they, don't, they didn't want to risk uh, having me in there swinging arms and feet uh, right near their star actor's face. So, oh. you know, especially because there, if there was rain and the floors, excuse me, the ground is slippery and there's yeah. emotion going on and we didn't get that long to rehearse the choreography. So uh, it, it makes a lot of sense in times like that. So I did some of it, but uh, this is my shout out to my stunt double. Oh, great. <laughs> right. it, it, it looked good. They made you look so good. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> so, Rob, did you want me to ask any of those other uh, questions? Yeah, go on. Or... Yeah, I feel a bit silly about those, but one's quite in, one's quite important, but Michelle will put those to you. The first one or the second one? No, I do both of them. Do both of them. Okay, so here's where we get a little silly. So we'll kind of end things here, William. Uh, Rob, like you said, he's been working very hard. He's the producer of our podcast. He works very, very hard behind the scenes as well as 
being on the show, and he says he has a very, very complex question that every Lost fan needs to know the answer to. So Okay, he, this is a hell of a build-up. This, this is a build-up. Okay, so his question is a question mark. <laughs> to read why, you want to tell why, Rob? Well, his episode isn't it? Lost question mark. Yeah, that was an episode of Lost. <laughs> <laughs> and I told you it was going to be silly, and then and then just just to make it a little bit more silly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Very inventive. Um, She's very uh, creative, uh, Rob. That is funny. I don't even know how to respond to that. I think maybe silence is the best response. That sounds good. We have one more question. We have one more question, and well, it's yes, it's a question. Rob, Rob would like you. You, you may have not even met him once, but the next time you see Kevin Durand, you know, Keeney, yeah. can you please ask him for Rob if he makes good. Easter eggs. Okay. <laughs> I do see Kevin. As a matter of fact, I made a little independent film with him a couple years after Lost ended. Great. Um, about, about a very famous Canadian bank robber. Uh-huh. Uh, and I saw him there. Awesome. But uh, I don't know if I've seen him in a while. But next time I do, I will ask him, Rob, uh, a very tired Rob, <laughs> wants to know if he makes good Easter eggs. <laughs> So that's a throwback to when he was making eggs. When he was making if he eggs, makes eggs. Lost. If he yeah. makes good eggs. Oh, if he makes yeah. good eggs. Okay. He makes good eggs. He, makes, he does make good eggs, but we want to know if he makes good Easter eggs because this is an Easter-themed episode. God. On our podcast. <laughs> totally understand. I told you it was Kevin, really... do you make good Easter eggs? Right. That's the important I think part. I can do that. Okay, Awesome.
You've been incredible. Um, Crystal, Rob, any final thing or... Um, oh yeah. What, what we'll do is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna carry on in the, like just a bit of close up and talk about future episodes. But we'll be sure to send you the that so you can listen to and vet if there's anything you'd rather not us talk about so you can vet and we can add it out if you would rather it be we'll edited send out. Send you the recording. Yeah. Oh, you're very thoughtful. I'm fine with everything we've discussed. I don't think I I don't have a desire to cut anything out. You guys might want to cut out some of my long rambling answers. Not at all. But I don't have anything I, I'd like to cut out. Send me a link when it's up, and I'll send it out over my various uh, social media outlets. Yeah. That's awesome. wonderful. Thank you, William. so much. You've been so kind. Thank you all so very much. I mean, you haven't, you, haven't, you haven't heard my sense of humor. When you hear my kind of what sense of humor in, in the close-ups, you might think differently. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got a lot of powerful. You got a lot of po- post production is is very very powerful. So be gentle, be yeah. kind to me. We will always. And thank you All right, so you guys. Much. Thank you so much, and I'll I'll repeat again. Thank you for watching. Brilliant. Thank right. you, William, so much. Thank you. Have, thank you. All right, you guys. Have a lovely evening. Rob, get some damn sleep. <laughs> Good night, you guys. Good night. Good night. Bye bye. Okay, you guys. Oh, wow, brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. It's interview, probably huh? going to get better. We might paneer it goes and it gets better. I know. Well, William is always awesome. I'm so humbled and honored that I even have the ability to interview him. You know, I know I've mentioned this before that this wasn't the first time I've spoken to him. I did see him at a lost convention right after the first season, and he's always been the kindest, most generous actor I've ever had a conversation with, honestly. He was very sweet and very funny. Yes, he is. He's a good sport. Well, Rob, I listened I to the... You... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I listened to the Mike Panera interview, and that yes. was incredible. I sure wish I could have been a part of that. Well, this was even better. Yeah, well, we this wanted was you... Even better. We wanted you to be, and, you know, we had it scheduled for the Saturday, which you were on, but right. for some reason my stuff, the date mixed up. So we were really right. sorry to miss you on that podcast also. Yeah, it was very um, good. Yeah. I don't know about you lot, but I've had a beaming smile on my face right throughout all that, that interview. Oh, definitely, always. He's hilarious. He's hilarious and um, yes, Crystal, you were with us in spirit on that. We really missed you. Thank you. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad you at least could make it for this one because this one is really incredibly excellent. So I know we're running out of time, Rob. You had a few things you wanted to do. Um, we only have about twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah, so we've got so two before. songs to play. Yeah, so we've got two songs to play. Kind of topical. Uh, if we want to go straight right. into uh, let's let's go straight into the hanging tree because let me do a bit of a talk okay. up first. Uh, obviously, like this is the hanging tree, and if we remember, like in season one, is is Char- Charlie was on uh, on the tree by Ethan. So being being a big fan of this band, it seemed to make sense. Plus, if you look at the album cover, it's got a man in black riding a not penny not penny's farthing bike. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to the lyrics of the album, it's quite unbelievable because this is like 
six years before season one. It's got mentions of wilderness born of a to- wilderness born from the torture of souls. It mentions lost the word lost throughout the album. So it's quite uncanny. Wow. Makes you think did the writers actually listen to this album? Probably not. But it's no, so uncannily like still. the lost storyline because it's a concept album which Steve will know about. Yeah. The absence Steve will know about. And yeah, so let's go straight into that and get a bit of a rest, and uh, then we can play the other song. Okay, so this is The Hanging Tree by Arena, and we're going to play this for you all now. It's about seven minutes, so here we go. Walk along the waterfall, watching as the world turns red. Wonder where the river flows, and the blood on the riverbed. Poison lies too close to us, reach across the salt and the sand. Moving deeper into the land Following the waterfall Watching as the world turns green Wonder where the river flows The copper face remains unseen Ignorance has failed to cleanse Reach across the salt and the sand Moving deeper into the Oh 
from the branch of the tree. It was praying for me to fall Tree. And Rob, I think yeah, and the, and, and the artwork so... on that, uh, Chris, Chris will probably know the name is is You Syme. It's been an ambition of mine to get a rush song on, but You Syme created the artwork of that, and he created the artwork of so many rush albums.
anyway, so yeah, so it dawned on me when I was promoting it uh, all all today. Like I've been like the Dharma workman. I I I, I cannot underestimate. I've been non-stop for almost twenty-four hours on this. Yeah. To make this work, so to get the final touches of, of this polished off. So so I'm absolutely knackered. But like I say, Dharma workman me today. Anyway, so yeah, it dawned on me when we were when I was doing the promoting is I've used uh, a meme. I thought this is a fun meme, and it and it dawned on me it's very much like the artwork on on the recent IQ album Road of Bones. That's right. And uh, I thought, well, we could play the one we've got already on the system, but it, it doesn't really make sense because it's a it's a festive song. The only way it makes sense is because we could do the for Crystal Sage again, but. I thought I'll get in touch with them. I'll, I'll see if I can get in touch with the band members. Right, we've got three hours to go. I'll see if I can get in touch with a band member to get permission, and I actually did. So, and this we're talking That's about great. the we're talking about the giant of, of neo progressive rockets. So, so to get them that promptly was amazing. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, they are, it reminds me so much of the artwork. If you if people listen to this, they know other band and. And they look at and they've seen my meme on the Lost Groups, and they go they yeah. go and have a look at the new uh, the recent IQ album Road of Bones. It's so similar. Uh, it really so is. I've been a bit of an I've been a bit of a knucklehead behind the scenes of late. So, and uh, <laughs> you might want to edit this out. And even Robert Times is a bit of a knucklehead. <clears throat> so let's go for let's go for knucklehead. Okay. Well, also um, let's talk about the tour dates for IQ. Oh, yeah. Before we play the song? Um, (laughs) They're going to be in Reichenbach, Uh, Germany. Yeah, have you got them? What's that, Rob? Have you got them? Yeah, go ahead. I've got them. Okay, so when we did contact them today, Rob contacted them. He asked if we could please promote their upcoming tour date. So on April 1st, they're going to be in Reichenbach, Germany. On April 8th, they're going to be in Oslo, Norway. On April 9th, they're going to be in Malmö, Sweden. And in Reichenbach, they're going to be at the Art Rock Festival. In Oslo, it's at the John D. Ved Rockefeller. And in Malmo, it's at the Progressive Circus 2016. So, <coughs> without further ado, we are going to play Knucklehead. Here we go. Mm-hmm. 
mention the arena uh, title it's actually called the visitor and that is so it's a concert album like say if you want to check it out is and they will not believe the uncanniness of the lyrics towards the story uh-huh. of so yeah the visitor if you can understand me with all the slurring at this time in the morning uh, yeah the arena the visitor you need to check that out let, uh, fellow lost is and yeah we, do, we need to say night now we're closing up and uh, as IQ probably just did it for us and said goodbye in the lyrics there so uh just a bit, bit of a quick uh, closer on what we're going to do in the future. We've got, uh, we're trying to get this uh, uh, Steve's uh, side feature going called Pilkey's Ilfie Moor Tour, and we've got someone set up for that maybe next week Great. or two weeks. Uh, beyond that, I'm going to take a big rest. We've got the Halloween uh, special. Uh, I think the most scariest. My scariest proposition of that was, can we do it without Steve? And I think we proved it on this one. We can do it without Steve. I think we've absolutely proved it, and we made a fantastic job, and both of you made a brilliant job. Thank you. Well, thanks. And we we certainly miss Steve, but we do understand with his new ventures going on that, you know, it would be a conflict. But anything he can do as a contributor, he said that he would... Do his best, and we certainly look forward to any. I don't think we need. Any, a note. He I don't know. Do. He said he would do a few notes for back when we do our Halloween. Yeah. But after that, I don't know if we're going to need them. We'll see. Well, anyway, still, so I just like to say he's been great. Yeah? He's he's made yeah, a like really great podcast. Just like say, I just like to say all this work, all this work has made me, is actually made me realise uh, what it's like to be uh, William Mapother's surname minus the second of the letters. Did you get that one? Um, remove the second. Remove the second of the letters. You're making me think, Rob. <laughs> it's being cryptic. Remove <laughs> A and P. What do you get when you remove A and P from map of it? I, I have pencil and paper. Yeah, that's that's what that's absolutely made me realise the work the mothers have to do this. Oh, it's a mother. <laughs> 
I, I totally understand the females and, and their workload with families now after this because I've worked oh. my ass off. For, can we say that? I've worked my ass off for the 24 hours. Yeah, well, speaking of mothers, my mom is um, under the weather. I've been taking care of her, and I need to take care of her some more. So this is a good time yeah. to end the podcast for tonight. And thank you, Crystal. Thank you, and Rob. Have we, got, have we got you in future, Crystal? Thank you. Well wishes for your mother. Have Thank we got you, you in the very future, much. Crystal? Have we got you in the future still, Crystal? Uh, I'm not going anywhere, uh, as, I can, this as far one, as I can see say, now. After this one, you've got to say, we've got to do more after this. Oh, we got to do more. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone's been great. Thank <laughs> you guys so much. All right. So, right. Good night, everybody. I'll go and get some, some well-earned rest. Yes. yes, Rob, you definitely have earned it. And, Crystal, thanks for everything you've done. And we're going to play out the show. And thank you, everybody, for joining us and for listening. And a special, special thank you to William A. Potter for being our special guest on the podcast tonight. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.